Go to the book of Daniel, amen, chapter number five. I got a lot going on today. I think the young people are going out. Are they not? Are they going to? Okay. They're going on up to your classroom. Don't stop in between. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Going to the book of Daniel, chapter number five. Got so much I want to preach tonight. I've been, I don't know if I'll get to it all or be able to cover it all adequately. Amen. I'm going. I'm going to try. They're going to give it a good try. We. Um, I've been studying this and for the last, for on and off for probably a month or so, just studying these passages of scripture that I'm be preaching from tonight. And I uh, just hopefully I can just impart something good to you that you can take home with you and you can it'll feed your soul. Amen. Amen. The book of Daniel. I'm just going to read four or five of uh, uh, verses, starting in chapter uh, verse number one. Then I'll let you be seated, and I'm going to read a few more because I would like to read the whole passage because that way everybody who doesn't know what's going on could be up to date. But I won't. I'll spare you that. Amen. I do like to read the whole chapter though, but it's kind of a long, lengthy reading, thirty something verses. So we'll just read the first few verses and then launch from there. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords, and drank wine before the thousand. And Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. Somebody say, that was holy vessels. That the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and, the, and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. And in the, se- in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another amen I got two different titles for this the first one is the handwriting that's on the wall amen because there is some handwriting on the wall for America whether they realize it whether they've come to their cognizant recognition and looked at it and seen it yet there is some things that have already been decreed for America all right and the second title is probably what I'll preach more from is it's just simply this weighed in the balance amen weighed in the balance. Amen. If you'll just put your Bibles down, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm going to do my best not to bore you too bad tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Hallelujah. So they brought, so the king was, the king was very disturbed. Belshazzar was very disturbed. And he called for his astrologers. He called for his wise men. He called for his magicians. He called for everybody that was on his payroll that was supposed to handle these type things, Brother Joe, and he said, somebody tell me what the writing on the wall says. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and Belshazzar, even though he couldn't read it, he knew that it couldn't be good. Can I get an amen from somebody? He, he, even though he didn't know what it said, he, he, he was not such a total heathen, Brother Joe, that when that hand from another world reached down 
and it began to it began to inscribe on that wall. He said, "This can't be good." There was something. He said, "I, I had Nebuch- he, he had saw Nebuchadnezzar go through a time period in his life, brother Matt, when when Nebuchadnezzar exalted himself. It, it, he was the ruler over all the, the greatest kingdom in the world, the most powerful man in the world at that time." And Nebuchadnezzar had exalted himself and he had put himself above God in his own mind and asked people to worship him. And God just simply reached down and he just turned the switch off. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He turned the switch off in his mind. And the scripture says that that his fingernails began to grow long and his hair began to grow long like like the feathers on a bird. And they said that they they had to put him out to pasture. And he ate grass with the oxen for seven years and his back was wet with the dew from heaven and but and when he when he finally woke up and he realized where he was at and what's going on the king the greatest most powerful man in all the earth was just driven mad and, and put out to pasture like a wild animal you see this was the heritage that Belshazzar had he saw this happen when Nebuchadnezzar came back to himself he said is there no there is no god like the god the living, the one true living God. He gave testimony and he, he worshipped the one true living God. The God that Daniel worshipped. This was the heritage that Belshazzar had said, was raised under. And he knew that something supernatural was taking place when he saw that handwriting begin to be scratched on the wall in the plaster. He called for Daniel. After all, his wise men could not answer the questions, could not read the writing. I, I imagine it was in Hebrew. I don't know it, but I imagine it was written in Hebrew. It, yeah, or Chaldean, but if they could have read it if it was in Chaldean. They, but I imagine it was in Hebrew. I tried to find it, but it's not in the commentaries. And, 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 and Daniel, he, he came and... the. the uh, Belshazzar had promised them for a, a royal, a place in the kingdom, a gold chain around their neck, and a, ro- a, a new robe. This was all great wealth, power, uh, prestige in the kingdom. Brother Joe, and he walked in and he took one look at the writing that was on the wall. And he told Belshazzar, he said, No, I don't believe I want any of that stuff that you're offering. I'll interpret the dream for you, but I don't want to have anything to do with what's fixing to happen to you. I want to put some distance between me and you. And he told him, he said, he said the, the, the inscription was mini, uh, mini tekel eupharsin. And, and, and I'll read just a little bit of it for you. Let, let, let you hear what it says. And, and, they, and, and, Bel, and Daniel went on to admonish Belshazzar. And he says, um, he said, um, he, he reminded him about his father. He reminded him about Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Then he went on to, he went on to, uh, tell him, he says, but thou hast lifted up against the Lord, and, and thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all of this. You know, the Lord takes into account what you know whenever he begins to look at your life. So many people are, are they're, they're numb to that, but to whom much is given, much is required. 
He said, Thou hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee. And thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine, and them hast praised the gods of silver, and of gold, and of brass, and of wood, and of iron, and of stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know the God in whose, thy, whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified then was the part of the hand sent from him, and the writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mini, mini, tekel, gufarsin, which is the interpretation of the thing. Mini, mene, which means God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel means thou how art weighed in the thou art weighed in the balance and art found wanting. Perez, th thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Amen. That th then. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they put the clothing on Daniel and all that. And, it, and the scripture goes on to say this. This is just two verses after the, three verses after the interpretation. Two verses after the interpretation went forth. It said, Belshazzar put the, the, the clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. And that, and that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius, the Median, took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. That night, even while he was drinking his, and, and offering up his, his revelry to the, to the thousand people that he had at that feast, even while he was there, even while the hand was writing on the wall, the army of the Medes, Brother Joe was... was outside of the walls of Babylon. Even while he had the glass in his hand, he was worshiping the God of stone and wine and even he was profaning the holy things. It was outside of the gate. What a day it's going to be when God decides that he's had enough. My Lord. What a day is going to be when he said he's seen enough. He's extended mercy long enough. Grace long enough. Now the time for judgment must, must begin for this old world that we're living in. Hallelujah. Belshazzar had been living without a care or a thought for tomorrow until out of nowhere came the judgment of God and it was too late to undo the wickedness that he had been partaking of. He had crossed the line when he decided to profane the holy things of God. He took the holy vessels of God, of, of gold the, the, uh, that the Lord had, had, they had sanctified and they put in the temple. And, and he, the, the things that had came out of the house of God that had once been used in the service of the kingdom of God. And they began to profane them by offering up in wine to all of these other gods. And they left God all way, left him out of the picture. Oh my goodness, I'm not going to try to be too hard, but there's a whole lot of people in this world that they're worshiping everything under the sun, but they're leaving God out of the picture.
Come on, they're worshiping things that don't have any any bearings on this, that don't have any control. They're worshiping things that are going to satisfy their flesh, that the things that are that are going to that are going to fulfill their their foolish pride. They're they're involving them things with a lot of of stuff that that are not going to have any help for them in the in the in the end, and they and they're forgetting about the God who put the breath in their body. Out of nowhere, God wrote the verdict of his judgment against Belshazzar upon the wall that night. And he was weighed in the balance. None of the king's wise men, the magicians, the astrologers could understand the writing. They could not interpret it. You know, this world is full of wise, quote unquote, wise people with lots of knowledge. But there's some things that are taking place in the spiritual realm that they don't understand. There's some things that are going on that they need to call the man of God and they need to call the old prophet out of retirement, Brother Joe, and they need to say, hey, old prophet, I need you to come and read this ancient writing. I need you to come and look at this and tell me what's about to happen, what's about where I went wrong, what's going on. Before judgment falls on their life, they need to get the man of God on the scene in their life, and they need to get their life right with God while there is still yet time before they have been weighed in the balance and found wanting while there's still time. The wisdom of this world is going to fail them. But there's still people in the land that can read what the writing the Lord has put on the wall for this day and this time and this era that we are living in. Shazar got desperate and he called upon that old Hebrew Daniel. He said the, the, his queen told him, he said, call, call Daniel, the one that interprets dreams, the one that worships the holy God. You see, even in their state of wickedness, they understood that there was a differentiation between the holy God and everybody else. Apostolics in this day and this hour, we must keep a line of distinction between us and everybody else. Can I do I need to say it again? We need to keep a line of distinction in our life between us and everybody else. The one that worships the holy God. Come on. The distinction that he made was that there was a, a holiness factor that was involved when they the, when they got to looking for their answers. They said, "Go to that point that still is observing some consecrations and some dedications. The one that serves the holy God." Ah, Lord! You think it's strange that when people have me have needs? that don't go to church here, that they call the Pentecostals of the Miss Lou, 
Sister Wells, they may not have gone to church for 40 years, but they call you and they say, will you pray? Will you get your church to pray? Come on now, I've got situations going on. We need some apostolics to get in, 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 involved in this prayer because even though I've been playing games with this other stuff, this other religion, I understand that there is a distinction, that there is a holiness factor. There's a factor that, that gets you, that holiness gets you closer to God. Come on, if I want somebody praying for me, I don't want somebody praying for me that looks like Jezebel's Avon dealer that's decided to live all every way but the right way and they're still putting on airs and calling themselves. No, sir, I want somebody that's got a distinction in their life, that's got some consecrations, some dedications, that's got some things going for them in their life. The holiness distinction. Hallelujah. A man with some power. Call the one that's got some power with God. When things get bad, when I don't have nowhere else to turn to, turn to the one that's got some power with God. Hallelujah. My Lord. Daniel was not happy when he got there. He reminded Belshazzar about how his father lifted up his spirit in pride. I'd already, already told you the story. Been put out to pasture for seven years. God finally gave his mind back and he told everybody there's no God like the one true living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It seemed like that the, seemed like that the fiery furnace would have been enough for Nebuchadnezzar. Amen. And everybody else, but it we have human nature has a tendency to forget. We have to be reminded. We have to every once in a while we just have to go back and just just get a little shaken and just get a reminder once again. Hallelujah. Belshazzar knew about all this, but he made a conscious choice profane the things of God and to challenge God with his actions it's a dangerous place when you start challenging God they say ignorance is bliss and well I, I guess it is there's a lot of happy people out there <laughs> but I don't want to be in the predicament that I've, I've challenged God with my Knowing and not caring. Oh, I know, Pastor. I know, Brother Howington. I know. A lot of people just still, Jeremy. <laughs> I know. But they don't finish the saying. But this, Brother Joe, the actions speak louder than words. We make time for the things that are important in our lives. We show up on time for the things that are important in our lives. We show up early. We'll take time out of the day. We'll plan around it. We'll schedule around it. Because it's important to you. If I 
have to get off and start meddling, ain't I? We'll take off from our job to go to a doctor's appointment when, when it might not really even be anything wrong with us. We just want to hear what he has to say. Amen? When's the last time you had it? I know I'm not, I'm not going to get off in that too far. When's the last time you saw somebody cancel something important they had to do because it was Easter Sunday or it was church was this weekend I can't I can't I can't let that get in the way of my my walk with God I can't miss church for that now Bishop for 30 years he's been beat up by people because he said y'all not let your kids play ball and miss church on Wednesday nights all they heard you say was y'all not let your kids play ball and the the shutter went the doors went down and they didn't hear nothing else you said how many of you ever talked to somebody like that before you get about halfway through your sentence and they stop listening to you then they go on they're already off on something else it's frustrating talking to people like that, ain't it? Or when you, they ask you a question, and when you start answering them, before you can get through answering them, they've changed the subject and went on to something else. It drives me nuts. If you're going to ask me a question, at least listen long enough to let me tell you what my response is. Amen? Huh? But the point of the matter is, is that hitting a, ball with a, hitting a, stick with a, a ball with a stick is not the problem. Rolling the ball down the lane is not a problem. Hitting it on the table and and knocking it into another ball is not the problem. It's what it does when it disconnects you from the house of God. It's the same spirit that disconnects you. I I read a story about D.L. Moody one time, and I'm trying not to get too far off of it, but I said I've been studying this for a month, so you, you know it's a lot in there. I read a story about D.L. Moody. There was a man came to D.L. Moody one time. He says, he says, D.L. Moody, he said, he said, do I have to come to church to be saved? And he didn't say anything. He just went over to that old potbelly stove and he threw the door open. And he took a coal out with the tongs. And he walked over and he set it on the on the metal, on the metal pot by the mat on the thing and he, they just, he just stood there and watched it 20 minutes 30 minutes he didn't say nothing him and the man just standing there looking at that piece of coal and all, slowly but surely the life just began to ebb out of it. it it got cold and it just and what was once red hot when he removed it from the fire when he isolated it, when he took it away from everything else, from the place where the, his of power, then he grew cold and he grew indifferent and he grew worthless. I heard somebody say it like this one time. Well, can I be saved without going to church? He said, I don't know. He said, he said, you can jump out of an airplane without a parachute. 
Think about that. You, you, you can go. You can make that trip if you want to. It's the point arrival when it's too late to do anything about it that you're going to find out if you needed that parachute or not. It's upon arrival when it's too late to do anything about it. When we get to heaven or when we get to the great throne of judgment, when we have to stand there before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he's, and he's got that balance in his hand and he's, he's got his weight set upon that balance and he's letting, he's letting everything balance out and it, it begins to tip away from your favor. Well, maybe I should have went to church. Hmm. But it's too late then. When you find out whether you needed to go or not, it's too late to do anything about it. So you see, that's the classic, the classic defeat that the enemy always uses. When it's too late, for you to find out the real true answer to the question that he's propositioned you with, it's too late to undo it. What happened with Adam and Eve? I'm getting way off my notes. What happened with Adam and Eve? He tempted her to eat of the fruit because he knew that once she crossed that line, there was no coming back. My Lord, hallelujah. My heart goes out to America tonight and this world tonight because in the midst of all that the world has going on, there's so many people that have made a choice to go the way of Belshazzar, to ignore and to profane and even mock the holy things of God even after they have an understanding that they know he is the God of, of justice but a God of judgment a God that can tip the scales of his judgment and mercy on the day, uh, that cannot tip the scales. Whatever is done is done on the day of judgment. Whatever decisions that we have made, we must take those decisions and take the consequences of those decisions also. God cannot. People say, well, I don't see how a God of love and mercy could do that to a whole world full of people. God didn't do it to a whole bunch of people. He gave you a free will and a choice to make every decision that you needed to make to make it to heaven and to be right with God on that judgment day. But his justice and his mercy cannot tip the scale one way or the other to make you to make you get blocked to make you be lost or to make you be saved he has to just let it be what it's going to be I mean, let me prove it to you proverbs chapter 11 and 1 a false balance is an abomination to the lord but a just weight is his delight so many applications I'll never get through all this I hope I can just cover some of it tonight listen to this Matthew Henry's commentary God goes by just weight and holds the scale of judgment with an even hand and it pleases and is pleased with those that are herein followers of him the scripture tells us that a false balance it means a scale that was either held wrong or that it was designed wrong. 
to purposely be deceiving. You can have the right weight on both sides on a scale, but if the bar is not exactly perfectly calibrated to be in the exact middle of that scale, it'll play to one side or to the other. The Lord said, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. The scripture in the commentaries call it a cheating scale, a way that you have derived to make the odds come out in favor to yourself is an abomination to the Lord. Many people, they, they, they trick themselves into thinking everything's all right in my life. I'm okay, Brother Jeremy. I'm all right. Everything's good. False scale. False balance. Well, I got these weights and it seems like everything's just evening out okay in my life. Yeah, but somewhere along the way, a false balance has been instituted in your life and you're not lined up exactly where you need to be on these things. And it's given you an inaccurate measurement. I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Just stay with me. The Lord finds joy in seeing the scales balanced out according to the weight that it's supposed to. A just weight is His delight. God loves it when people are honest and sincere. Can I get an amen? He loves it when people add up to the Word, add up to, and when they, they add, they, they, their walk with God adds up to the Word. God loves it when He weighs people in the balance and He finds them to be everything that they say that they are. To be solid, 100% true Christians. God's not trying to tip the scale and to send you to hell. It's a just, a just weight. It's His delight. He loves it when everything balances out just like it's supposed to. When you're living for God like you're supposed to. And everything's good in your life like it's supposed to. God loves it. It's His delight. It brings Him joy. It brings Him happiness. When it all evens out like it's supposed to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's not going to tip the scale one way or the other when it comes time to be weighed in the balance. He's gonna find. He's gonna have joy in his heart if you, if it evens out for you, but he's gonna be sad if it doesn't. But that doesn't mean he's gonna stop it. It's an abomination. It means it's something that he hates. There's a lot of abominations in the scripture that God hates, that people just completely ignore. You look at this demonic self, same-sex marriage agenda that's coming out of. Out of every, it's permeated our culture. The scripture says it's an abomination, but yet we've embraced it wholeheartedly. Oh, I could go on. I'm already, I'm already pressing right on the on the edge of being a right wing nutcase right now. <laughs> Proverbs 16 and 11. Listen to this: A just weight and balance are the Lord's. 
Now this is where it gets good right here. All the weights of the bag are his work. Adam Clark commentary, listen to this. In the Old Testament, all of the standard weights used for commerce were kept in a bag in the sanctuary. These were the weights to which all weights in common use in the land were to be referred to and checked against for integrity so that they could be so that they could be sure that they were just and true if a man was going to start a business he had to bring his weights in the Jewish culture and his scales to the temple to the house of God and the priest would go and he'd open up that bag and he'd take his little weight it's supposed to be the, supposed to weigh the same thing and he'd put them on the scale and if they balanced out he could use it it was his reference point it was the place where they found their standard for commerce their standard for living they were an agrarian culture farming was what they did trading was how they made their living if you wanted to buy something there was not a lot of cash back then there was a, maybe a few Roman coins but that was about it you could take your two or three ephahs of wheat and you could go over here and you could you needed some you needed some, some, some sugar or you needed some spices you could trade it but you had to make sure that you were trading with somebody that had that, that their scales were right that their weights were right so that you didn't get cheated you had to come to the house of God and make sure that your weights lined up with what the house of God said they were supposed to so that it had integrity and it kept everybody honest hey this old black book is still keeping people honest church family a lot of people don't want to come to the house of the Lord because they're scared if they come to the house of the Lord, it's going to show an imbalance in their life. They, they're going to, they're, they're going to, it's going to show up something. Hey, uh, but you know what? I would rather the word got me right before I made my transition to the great judgment day than get there and think everything was all right and then be sadly mistaken and headed for a devil's hell. My Lord. The weight that was in the sanctuary set the standard that they were to rule, that that was to be the rule of measurement, and they were kept in the house of God. If you're not measuring your life according to the standard found in the house of God, then you're in danger of being found in want on the judgment day. All the weights of the, ba of the bag are his work. Why do you think Solomon put that in there? He said, these are holy things. He said, you can't question the integrity of the weights that are coming from the house of the Lord. He said, these have a godly integrity. These have been sanctified. These have been certified. These have been blessed. These are the standard for which they've been measured. For all of this time, all of the weights in the bag are his work. God established this thing. My Lord, people get in trouble when they start to question the authority of God's word and his integrity and his justice. Well, I just don't think God was right in doing that. Well, I, I, you know what? I just, I just don't just stop right there. 
before you start questioning what God, the weights that are in the bag, well, I think that that church did me a little bit wrong. I don't think you have to do all that to be saved. Hey, if it's in the word of God, you, it don't matter what you or I think about it. Because all the weights in the bag are the work of the Lord. It's all in God's hands. He established it. He ordained it. I'm just here preaching it to you. Proverbs 23, 20 and 23. Divers weights. That means different kinds of weights are an abomination to the Lord and a false balance is not good. Oh, it's fixing to get tight in here right now. I can tell you it is already. I hope everybody on Facebook not here is listening. Amen. Amen. It's not good to have two sets of value systems in your life. I'm not looking at anybody. It's not good to have a one set of values when you're at church and another set when you're not. It's not good to have one set of values when you're dealing with the, this person because you don't like them and another set of values when you're dealing with this person that you do like. Divers' weights are an abomination under the Lord. Hmm. It's not good to have two sets of parameters that control your conduct and your appearance and your lifestyle. It's not good to act one way at church and another way at home. The scripture says that divers' weights are an abomination to the Lord. Listen to this. This is this is really this is some good meat and potato stuff here in the culture of the Old Testament Jews everything was on a barter system that's how they, that's how they managed this is, what the, this is what the writer of Proverbs is trying to he's conveying these ideas to us and people that wanted to cheat other people in that culture they'd have a bag that, that the merchants would have a bag usually it was like a girdle with a pouch on around the waist and they just pull their weights out and put them on the scale. But people that were swift, that had fast hands and no scruples or, or they were, they, they liked to cheat people. They'd have two sets of weights in their pouch. And they'd go over here to this man and they'd buy from him and they'd pay to have a heavy weight, Brother Joe, and they'd put it on there. Heavier than it was supposed to be in their favor. And then they'd turn around and the next man in line, he wanted to buy some of what the other guy just sold him. So he'd pull, it, he'd pull another weight out and he'd put it on the scale. When, he, when it went back in his pouch and come back out, it'd be a different weight. And he'd put it on the scale and he'd make money off of that transaction also. It looked a lot alike. But they were weights. They were things that didn't line up to what the standard in the sanctuary was supposed to be. We've got to be careful in our life how 
we deal with people and handle people. We got to be careful in our lives that we don't play the scales in our favor sometimes and then other times play the scale to where it hurts our brothers and sisters. Divers' weights are an abomination to the Lord and a false balance is not good. Divers' weights, according to the commentaries, is, another, is, is simply another way of saying having a double standard. We have to be careful that we don't let our human nature take over and develop a double standard in our spiritual lives, church family. Well, we're okay. This is okay for here. It's okay. This is okay. I'm going to be different when I get there. But I, what, what I want to know is which, which weight do you want to use? If you're using divers' weights, which weight do you want to be judged by? When you get to the judgment day. Hmm. I knew it was going to get tired. I told you it was. How long have I been going? Ten minutes. Listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 13 through 16. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers' weight, a great and a small. This is the Lord talking to the Jews. Thou shalt not have in thine house divers' measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and a just weight. And a perfect and just measure shalt thou have that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. How did they know that they had a just weight? How did they know that they had a just measurement? They took it to the house of the Lord. They went to the house of the Lord and they said, Hey, how's this add up? How's this hold up? Is this right? Am I doing what I need to be doing? My Lord. For all that do such and all that do unrighteously are an abomination to the Lord thy God. The Lord's trying to help. He was trying to help the children of Israel learn how to live and to function again after they had been after they left from Egypt. And they were once again a free autonomous people again. He was trying to teach them some things and and, and, and bring, assimilate them and help them to, 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 to be successful in this new life. He's giving them some rules to live by. Everybody needs rules to live by. Imagine people just, the people, anarchists, they, 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 only want, they only want partial anarchy. They want to be in control because those little anarchists, those little Antifa groups, they really don't want to let the dog off the chain and just let it be just, just let it be just jungle law. Let the baddest man win. They want temporary controlled It's liberty, isn't it, brother Matt? Everybody need structure in their life 
Everybody needs a routine in their life. They were just out in the wilderness. God said, I can't just turn two and a half million people. They don't have any jobs. I mean, they don't have nothing to do. There's no jobs for you out in the wilderness. You're living in a tent. Two and a half million people in the middle of the desert. There's only a certain amount of sticks you can pick up. I mean, I don't even know where they found stuff to cook off of, honestly. It had to be just God. I mean, because after a while, two and a half million people would pick up a lot of sticks to burn fires three times a day to cook and eat off of. That's stuff I might have to ask God about one of these days, Brother Carabelli. It was in the wilderness. I, I mean, it wasn't a scorched like the Sahara Desert, but it was a wilderness. That many people could cut down the Siberian forest if they wanted to. Kind of getting off topic here. God had to give them some direction in their life. Did they soul up and say, ah, God's just trying to control me again? God just wants me to just have no fun out here in the wilderness. No, God said, I'm trying to help you assimilate. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to make something out of you. I'm trying to shape you. I'm trying to put you in. I'm trying to put some things in you that if you'll listen to me. You see, if you go out to these heathenistic tribes and you start all that stuff that you learned in Egypt, swapping out the weights and trying to cheat them. He said, you'll be fighting with them and you'll, be, you'll never have any peace as long as you live. But if you'll be honest and you'll be sincere and you'll, and you'll trust me and you'll, and you'll let me be the God in your life, I'll tell you how to live long and be prosperous in this land that I'm going to give you. You know what the you know what the you know what the the, the the answer to living for a long time for God and being prosperous, being honest and being sincere. That's how you inhabit the land that God's going to give you. That's the etiquette that you have to have, brother man. If you're not honest with yourself, you're just fooling. You're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling God. If you're bringing a false weight, put it on the scale. It's not going to measure up. God's not going to be accountable. You're just going to let it tip. Mighty God. These principles that I've spoken to you, to you tonight out of the Scripture will help you in every aspect of your life. Because one of these days we're all going to be weighed in the balance. And it doesn't matter what you've told yourself, what I've told myself, what everyone else thinks about us, that doesn't matter. What matters is how we're going to be measured. We're going to be measured by His Word and nothing else. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. It's all that's going to matter is when, when the Lord weighs us in the balance. If we're found wanting, it's going to be a sad day. My goodness. You had the just standard right before you. You could have measured yourself against the word at any time. But you let a false balance and an unjust weight trick you into thinking that everything was all right in your life. 
You let some people come along and convince you to tip the scale and offset the things that you were not doing in your life. You know, so, so many people in this world, they have a new revelation. Just watch, I was just preaching, I was just thinking about this. And Bishop, I was thinking about this. There's so many people that have these new revelations, even in the United Pentecostal Church. But the math, they moved. They've moved the center line. They've offset the balance point. They decided they want to go a little bit left. We're going to go left because everybody knows that when you want to go off the rails, you go left. They, go, they move it just a little bit to the left. Then they can, by doing that, they can put a little bit lighter weight on the scale. And nobody ever notices. Oh, my goodness. One of these days, there's a... I'm not trying not to get too far off topic. There's statues that have been around since the, since the 1600s. It's an allegorical lady. She's called Lady Justice. Sits outside many courtrooms. And she's got a scale and a balance in one hand, a sword in the other. And, and around in the 1600s, they started putting a, a little bit after, they started putting blindfolds on her because justice is supposed to be blind. But so that the scales aren't tipped one way or the other. That sword represents authority. The scales represents justice. Blindfolded means impartial justice, equal justice for all. See, the Lord doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be blindfolded because he sees all, he sees everything because he's a pure, holy, just God. He, there's, no in, there's no chance that he's going to tip the scales one way or another. He would, I believe in his mercy and his grace and his judgment sometimes that he would love to, but he cannot and he will not because his, because his justice, his integrity, his character will not allow him to touch balance he's not going to touch it no matter how much you cry he's not going to touch it balance it and offset it on your behalf that's exactly right it's good, good preaching he reset the balance of Calvary made it right all over again huh the Holy Ghost is talking in this house tonight. We're not running and screaming, but God is digging up some stuff. I'm talking, I'm telling you right now. If we'll be honest, if we'll be sincere, if we'll have character in our walk with God, we'll line it up to the Word. We don't have to be afraid of what that judgment day holds for us. Amen. Stand with me. I gotta, I've got to wrap this up. One of these days, church family, we're going to be weighed in the balance. The handwriting's already on the wall for America. We went down a pathway that's too slippery to get back again. But the church no, sir. does not have to be destroyed. 
You don't have to go the way of the world just because the world is sliding off down that slippery slope. You don't have to go the way of the world. You can be sincere. You can be honest. You can be just. You can have integrity in this hour. You can line yourself up to the word. If you'll get in this word and you'll begin to read it, you'll begin to ingest it. You'll begin to pray over it. You'll begin to say, God, I don't want to be found wanting on that day, Lord. Lord, on that great judgment day, God, I don't want there to be anything in my life, God. It's going to keep me from going to heaven, Lord. I believe that some people think that that the day of judgment that they're going to waltz in there like a trial lawyer and they'll begin to just in their infinite wisdom just begin to explain to the Lord well you know God you know I just don't think that you really had to do all that to be saved I, I, I don't, I, Lord I, I read what it said but you know I just didn't think it applied to me I, I read what you said, but I just couldn't give up the things that I loved in this world, God. And he's not going to answer you. He's just going to say, is, it, is their name written here? If their name's not written, he's going to say, okay, well, go open that other book. That other book's going to be open and everything in our life put it on the scales he's going he's going he's going to weigh it next to his judgment and his righteousness all the weights in the bag are his work all the decision making process is God's work he decides whether we live or we die if we go or if we stay it's all in his hands But he gives us a he gives us a standard. Come to the house of the Lord and you can say, Hey, how's my life adding up? How's it how's it measuring up? Am I all right? Am I okay? You can talk to him before that day. Say, Lord, is everything all right in my life? God, I don't want there to be anything out of the way, Lord. God, I, when I get there, I want it to be a balanced scale, a just Balance is the Lord's delight. Oh, it's going to bring him so much joy. Hallelujah. I know I've went on too long. Maybe I've carried the analogy too far. I don't know. I don't think so, though. The Lord is dealing with people in this place. Somebody just, maybe just right where you are, just bow your head, close your eyes, and begin to talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we give ourselves to you, God. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you, mighty God. God, I don't want there to be anything in my life, God, which is contrary to the word, God. I don't want there to be anything, Lord, in my attitude, which is contrary to the word, God. Lord, I don't want any false weights, God, any false balances or unjust weights, unbalanced weights in my life. Throwing, oh Lord. 
but I don't want to get to that day. And the Lord said, you know that thing that you never was able to give me? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.